See you, buddy. Um. up to a hose though, buddy. You gotta hook it up to it. Um, the point is, is that the beauty of being a child is that nothing is impossible. See, the point is, is that you're not really born with a lack of creativity or a lack of imagination or a lack of believing that things are impossible. You actually lose it as you increase with age. You didn't start out boring. You just ended up there, <laughs> which is a bummer for all of us, because I'm pretty sure that Jesus did not die on the cross, fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we could live a boring, mundane life. The whole point of this morning is that God actually empowered you to take every ordinary mundane day of your life and find the supernatural in the midst. That we actually have the divine ability to find the significant in the simple. And it's something that all of us can do. And every kid does this when they're playing games. That's obviously CGI. That's what happens when your dad works for DreamWorks, I guess. But the whole point is that we're trying to pull out what's in their head and get it into reality. That's what's in their head, and they're living like it's already a reality. I want to know what's inside of your head and see how much it takes to get what's in your head into your reality. Because there are things you are daydreaming about, wishing you could do, hoping you could do. And the problem is not that God doesn't want to engage with you and see it happen. It's that we lack the ability to take what's in our head and bring it into the natural. God's entire existence is bringing the supernatural into the natural. From day one, Genesis 1, the supernatural coming into the natural is what God desires for, his, for, his, for you to be a part of while you're living here on earth. And we actually, there's like a study that went out um, about kids and creativity and there's this whole scale for it. And you can go watch stuff about it and 
find a million YouTube videos about it. But essentially, every five-year-old is a creative genius. This test shows that every five-year-old is a creative genius. The problem is by the time they're 18, only like 18% of them are. We fully educated them, fully indoctrinated them, and we've told them over and over again, don't think the impossible, don't dream the impossible, be realistic, be responsible, do what you're told to do, be in control. All these things that actually, if we just read our Bible, is not really listed in there. God says, I make all things possible. All things are possible with Christ. I want you to experience life and life to the full. I don't want you to have a boring existence. I didn't create you for a boring existence. I didn't want you to do what's possible. Anybody could do what's possible. I'm looking for a people who want to engage with me and do the impossible. That's what you're actually wired for. Our friend Corey says that, you know, God isn't boring. You are. (laughs) It's like, we're not the ones that are boring here. God doesn't do stuff boring. It's clear that he doesn't do things boring. But the idea is how can we take the, the simple and make it significant and how can we find miracles inside the mundane the goal is not for you to like go okay so now it's time for my big ministry okay how are we going to build our big ministry no keep your nine to five keep your regular job keep what you're doing now god wants to interact with you right where you are he wants to bring an explosion of wildness to the life you're already living <laughs> it's going to be so much fun You were made for the wildness of God. And he's looking for wild ones. This isn't for, this isn't like, the hard part is, is like we need, we are all looking for the more in life. Every person in here is pretty much, like we can pretty much guarantee that most people that are doing church for 30 plus years are like, okay, I know what to expect. I'm going to come into a meeting. There's going to be some music. I may or may not like it. Then there's probably going to be some sort of announcement, possibly the offering there, maybe. Then this guy's going to come up. He's going to talk about the Bible. I'm going to either feel guilty or encouraged. Not sure. After that, they'll probably sing a next song to solidify my guilt or my excitement. They'll either take an offering or lay hands on me, whether they're Baptist or Pentecostal. Whichever. We know what to expect. The hard part is we don't know God enough. If he showed up in the room right now, half of us might run out of the room claiming it was demonic because we don't really know God. If God showed up in your midst right now, would you even know it's him? Are there things in your life that are happening right now that you don't know whether or not it's God? It's confusing. It's hard. It's a test. Who knows what it is? Can you even discern whether or not it's God because you know him so well? Like when me and my wife interact, we, my wife has this phrase called a blue funk. And it's the idea that you're not really having a good day today. And it's okay you're in a blue funk. And it's like this phrase we have that pretty much what it means is you're acting like a jerk, but I'm going to let you know without crushing your spirit. (laughs) And it's like this idea of like, you guys, like this is how we're, we're just trying to get through existence. And we have to recognize that most of us are in a blue funk and we never left it. We just got into a blue funk and accepted this is how the rest of our life is going to be. Here's what Charles Finney says. Charles Finney was the leader of the Second Great Awakening. He's called the father of modern revivalism. You guys, it's for me, it's revival or die. Like, I don't know what you're in for. If you're in for a church service, that's awesome. You can leave tonight the same boring life that you had when you came in. I'm cool with that if you're cool with that. I want to see if we can get something more because I want something more. Because I'm not that interested in just doing life the same way that everybody has accepted that we have to do life forever and ever. Amen. 
I want to find the more that God died for. I want to find the more that says that scripture says is available to all who believe. This is not for just the people in the front. Christianity is not about for the guy who holds the microphone or holds the guitar or gets on staff. This is for the nine. There is no professional Christianity. I'm pretty sure the apostles and the disciples of Jesus didn't have business cards. Okay, let's just do it this way. If all, let's just say a churches are abolished across America. No more churches. You can't go to the building. How would you find a pastor? Oh, they'd have to actually live like one. How would you find a prophetic person? They'd have to be actually living like it. How would you find an, you don't have to need a business card or a website or a YouTube video. You'd actually have to find them and they have to be living like it in order for you to see that that's who they are. Most people just tell you what they are. If I have to tell you what I am, I'm probably not that. If I have to convince you I am through proof, I'm probably not that. You should see it, interact with me, and go, that's who he is. That's what they're about. That's what they care for. That's what they love. If it's only preaching in front, then I'm totally jacked up. I should be quitting. Because if I'm only like this when I'm in front of people, then we have a problem. So who has the real proof whether or not I'm like this? Right? I need enough pastors and enough leaders across the world, and I have the same, this is my same go-to. If I want to know whether a dude is legit, if the pastor is legit or not, I just find his wife and his kids. I'm serious. Isn't that biblical? First Timothy, it says there's qualifications for believers. So if I look at a wife and she is depressed and bummed out and hates the church... He ain't living like that at home. No matter how good he preaches on Sunday, if she's like, I hate the church, I can't wait to go home. It's like, um, we got to work on a few things. You know, and you go to the kids and they hate Jesus. You're like, they hate Jesus because someone in their life convinced them that what they are preaching and what they're living don't equate. Right? Look at what, this is what Charles Finney says. The revival comes from heaven when heroic souls enter the conflict, determined to win or die, or if need be, die and win. Everybody wants to die for something, but nobody's really living for anything. What are we going to live for? And how do we get there? That's what I'm going for. Don't worry. I'm going to make it super practical by the time we're done and we're all getting delivered. Okay? You're like, I'm not sure I believe in deliverance. It's okay. You don't have to believe in deliverance to get delivered. It's great. You also don't have to believe in healing to get healed. So it just, it's great. The kingdom is awesome. Just come and join. God comes in, does all this stuff. Yes, that's what I was sitting over here, and I'm like weeping while Amanda's leading worship. I just, you guys, I love God so much. He's so ridiculous. Like, we can't take credit for everything, and then he just gives us credit for everything. That's like what a dad does, you know? I'm like sitting over there going like, I can't take credit for any of my life. We're singing, you are a good, good father. Like it's, it's like we're singing, you know, great is our, is our God. I'm like, this is real, you guys. Like I've seen it all over the planet over and over and over and over again. I don't care if you hate God or not. It's awesome. <laughs> you can literally hate him. And then somebody has an encounter with them and your whole life changes. You don't have to believe any of this stuff. That's what makes it so great. You literally don't have to believe in signs and wonders, miracles, healing, prophecy. It's awesome. Because then when you experience it, your theology will change. The reason that people don't know God is because they haven't seen him yet, and they're supposed to see him through you. 
Who is the greatest manifestation of, G of Jesus on earth? You. Does your life look enough like Jesus so that when people see you, they want to get to know your God? If it doesn't, you have the issue, not God. Well, my life is hard. That doesn't have, your circumstance doesn't dictate his character, and your circumstance doesn't dictate whether or not you're a real Christian. You guys, we have to choose to walk this out in every circumstance. Anybody can do this when it's easy. <laughs> it's the people who live adventurous lives who decide, you know what? I'm going into the fire to save some people. Here I go. And they like just come hell or high water, I'm, I'm getting in. And you're, the hard part is, is most of you don't realize this, you were made for that. You were, you're not, your blood is not pumping often enough. And so maybe you're running at the gym, but it's never going to be enough. <laughs> you're like working out thinking that will fill the gap. No, you were made to pick a fight with hell and win. <laughs> you're too busy fighting with the people around you in your life and trying to fix them to realize that you're supposed to be fighting hell. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, it is against powers and principalities of the age. That is awesome. You can literally beat up hell and win. And we're busy arguing with each other. You hurt my feelings. You're a jerk. You need to be fixed. No! That person doesn't know what they're doing. That's, there's a power and a principality and there's something back there because my battle is not against you. You are flesh and blood. You are not my enemy. You are my family. And even if you're not a Christian, you're already my family because God loves you so much. He put me in your life to be a witness to you so that you could see and experience the manifest presence of God every time you come in contact with me. Even if you hate me. Jake, you're an idiot. You are so rad. I love you so much. No, seriously, your singing annoys me and your preaching is too long. Oh, you're so cute. Come here, let me give you a hug. Come here, come on. Come on. Because that doesn't change me. Look at what it says, look. We'll go to the next, the verse. We're gonna go to Daniel 11. I want you to check this out. So this is, the, this is Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. For those of you that know Daniel 11, it is like an end time prophecy. Here's the rundown on biblical prophecy. Biblical prophecy has two things. If you don't like the word prophecy, let's just call it the living word of God. Everybody agrees with that. You're like, well, I don't know how I feel about prophecy. That's okay. This we can agree is the living word of God. Amen? Which means that when it was written, it had an effect. But that means thousands of years later, guess what? It still has an effect. Why? Because this is living. P.S. That's what we call real prophecy. Real prophecy has an effect in the moment, but if it's real prophecy, 50 years later, it will still have an impact and carry the weight of God on it. That's real prophecy. Like, I love encouraging words. I love, like, prophetic encouragement. But the real gift of prophecy, the real beauty of Scripture, is that it's just as real today as it was when it was written. That's what makes this thing so amazing. I love this. And what happens in Daniel, what's so beautiful about Daniel is Daniel's getting this massive revelation. We don't have time to go into it. But it's, you know, you, the, the uh, uh, abomination of desolation and all these crazy phrases, you know, you've probably seen movies about and stuff. And we don't have time to go into. But I do want to say this. This verse is being written in the context of chaos. So you may think your life is bad, but it doesn't look anything like Daniel 11. I can promise you that. Okay? So let's just assume it's chaos, but it's not that bad. Okay? And this is what it says. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall seduce with flattery. Everybody say, seduce with flattery. Seduce with flattery. But, 
The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Here's the first part I want to look at. Seduce with flattery. Here is what the world is going to attempt to do to you. Here is his strategy. The world wants to seduce you by giving you applause and finance and promotions and platforms. And they are going to tell you how great you are based on what you do, not who you are. See, flattery is when I encourage you because of what you've done, not because of who you are. Biblical encouragement does not encourage you because of what you've done, but who you are. That's the difference between the world's encouragement, which is called flattery, and biblical encouragement, which comes from the Lord. One says, you're awesome because you did right. You did the good stuff. You've done enough to win approval. I applaud you. God says, you are awesome even in the midst of your junk, I found the greatness inside of you. That's the difference between the flattery that the world wants to seduce you with. The world wants to get you into a place where you are more excited about what they can do for you than what God says about you. And when the enemy has you in that place, you will, you will literally give up anything to get the approval of man. I mean, you guys, if you think you're too... You're, just, you know, I'm, well, I'm way beyond that. I mean, look at Saul in scripture. Saul was anointed king. He had the throne of, he, the same throne David sat on, Saul had before him. He was anointed to be king. Samuel tells him, when he falls, Samuel tells him, if you would have just done this one thing, your throne would have been established forever. You guys, Saul had an opportunity before he fell in, to, to maintain what God had given him for generations. But here's the point. What did he choose? He was more afraid of man than he was of God. And it says because he wanted to please people, he lost his throne. And most of us are more concerned about what people think about us than what God says about us. That's flattery. I mean, we have friends that work in government, and they were with, uh, in the governor's office and some stuff and other places in D.C., and he said, Jake, like, the craziest thing that was said to me is this. He said, I was with the governor, and he said to me, he said, Jake, or he said, um, Whatever his name was, I won't give it to you. <laughs> he said, they, we love Christians. We love Christians so much when they come to Capitol Hill. We love them. And he said, really? Why is that? He said, because once we let them in the office and let them take a picture with us, they'll compromise anything to stay here. Now, look at history and tell me that's not true. We kind of, well, we, you know, we're going to tell you the message. We're just going to, we're going to bring it in a little bit just so that we can have more influence. No, you don't get influence by tailoring your message. Show me one person in scripture that gained more influence through compromise. Anybody? I mean, let's look at Daniel. We're in the midst of Daniel's book. Daniel shows up in exile. He is a prisoner of war. And as a prisoner of war, they say, you're going to eat our food and you're going to read our books. He says, let me give you something straight. I'm not going to read your books and I'm not going to eat your food. And I'm going to be 10 times stronger and 10 times smarter. How you like that? Most of us are like, okay, I'll eat your food and drink your books. But I still love Jesus. Hi, it's awesome. I still go to church, but I just eat all the food and read all the books. Oh, you were made for more than that. You were made to kick the devil right in the face. Yeah. You were made for adventure. <laughs> no wonder church is so boring most of the time. It's because we're not literally looking at the next adventure we could have with God. We're not looking at the next opportunity to see him break in. We're not looking for the next place his glory could break into the midst of our life. We're not looking around every corner with like surprise. Like, oh, I wonder what's over here. Every day is Christmas morning for you. <laughs> you can literally wake up. It says his mercies are 
New every morning. New means you haven't seen it before. That means every day you wake up, you have a chance to go, I'm here. What's going to happen today? Instead of most of us are like, oh, we're here. Oh, God. What's going to happen today? It's probably going to, it's going to be terrible. I'm convinced it's going to be horrible. Do you understand you are prophesying into your own life? Yesterday is a memory, today is an opportunity, and tomorrow is a chance to dream. We have a chance to dream bigger tomorrow. You don't, pro- you're not, you don't have a promise tomorrow. Tomorrow's a dream. You can dream about tomorrow, but you can't live in tomorrow because tomorrow you're not promised. That's what the Bible says. But you do have today. Today is a divine opportunity to find the craziness of God because here's how you find it. It says this. It says, but the people who know their God, say know their God, will do great exploits. This is like one of my favorite verses in scripture. Because you were made for adventure, but how do you tap into it? How do I begin to find the adventure in my own life? How do I begin to find the, the significant in the simple? How do I begin to find the miracles in the mundane? It starts with this phrase, know God. That is the beginning, middle, and end of the entire Bible is to get to know God. Do you understand that that's why you were on planet earth is to get to know God. Eternal life, it says in John 17 verse 3, it says, now this is eternal life, to know God and Christ Jesus whom he sent. We make eternal life heaven because we don't want any responsibility until we're dead. We don't want to just figure it out now. We don't want to build a relationship now. We want to get to know God when we die. Isn't that what we do? We just die and then we can get to know him and he's just going to sort it all out and it's going to be fine because he's God and he knows I tried real hard. No, he, you don't understand try real hard. You keep going in the book of Hebrews and you're going to find you have not yet resisted sin under the shedding of your own blood. That's the standard. Do you understand that the standard for your life is the cross, not your church service? Jesus set the standard 2,000 years ago. And you're like, okay, so wait, he wants me to die too? Yeah, that's what it says. He says, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. I mean, he says, pick up your and follow me. I mean, how much more explicit do you need this to be? Philippians, Paul says it this way. He says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't want to just know him. I want to experience the power that he's poured out for me. And I'm not going to deny the fellowship of the suffering, which is partnership with Jesus in his most vulnerable moment so that I could access the deepest things of God. I don't want the surface level things anymore. Anybody done with the surface level things of the church? Anybody done with the surface level things of God? He says, come to me into the depths. You guys, why, why are we doing this if we're not going to go to the depths? If you're just showing up to church just to check something off your list, go home. It doesn't win you any approval in heaven. You can't be more loved by God today by showing up to church. He already gave you all his love. So by showing up here, you're not earning more love, which is how most of us think love works because that's what we were modeled. If we do right, then we earn love. So that's why we're showing up to church because we feel guilty if we don't show up to church. God's not going to like us. That's impossible. He already loves you infinitely. You can't be more loved today than he loved you yesterday. It's an impossibility. By showing up to church, you are not getting more loved by God. What you're doing is being more transformed into his image as you spend time with him. Because the goal is not for him to love you more and win approval. The goal is to know him more so that I can be transformed into his likeness. See the difference? 
One is me being a beggar. The other is me being a son. Come on, love me, 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 love me. Please, 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 please. Oh my God, please forgive me. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I messed it up again. Oh my God, oh my God, you're not going to like me. Oh my God, he's not going to show up. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That is an orphan spirit. That is poverty. That is abuse. If God was demanding that of you, that's abuse. It's not love. And those who know their God are not afraid to jump into the wildness of God because they know he's going to be there. So look at it this way. There's a, um, we got to start with the knowledge of God. So some of you have seen this before, but some of us have to begin to know God. So I put a few up on a list for you. It's just a few. So it's just to get you started. There is more, but it starts with the knowledge of God. This is how this journey begins. All your journey in Christianity, just in case you're wondering, is not to hear sermons that are topics so that you understand how to like figure, fix your life. The Bible is not about fixing your life. It's about finding God. So if you're reading the Bible to fix your problem, you're going to miss out. Like if you look in the Bible and you go, okay, I need to fix my marriage. So then you like look up verses on marriage. You're going to totally screw your marriage up. <laughs> Why? Because the marriage verses in scripture are in the context of what? The knowledge of God. If you don't know him, you won't know why he's saying what he's saying. Does that make sense? Have you ever met two people who said the same thing, but one sounds like an idiot and one sounds smart? You ever met those? You're like, you're like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then the next person says it, and you're like, stop. I have to process this. That is the most beautiful thing I have ever heard in my whole life. Because one had the knowledge, but one has wisdom. Which means that one had the thing written down in their book. The other actually encountered that thing. So they're speaking from a place of revelation. We're not being impacted or transformed because we're not meeting men that have met the God. We're meeting men who have read the word and know the books to read in order to give a good sermon. But we need people in the pulpit and on the streets who have met God. They have met God. No wonder half of our singing all sounds the same and it's mostly boring and it's not really anything we're that interested in. It's because we're singing the same words, the same language, the same stuff all the time. I said it with the first service, but it's why Amanda's worship is so beautiful this morning. The reason it's so beautiful is because with Amanda, I, I love it because she's super, it's just she's vulnerable. So her like awesome little voice and her awesome guitar playing and these beautiful melodies are her simply going, I love God. And the rest of us are, are now exposed because there's nothing to hide behind. There's no big thousand guitars. There's no 45 voices. There's no huge thing to hide behind. It's just you and God. So for those of you that felt uncomfortable this morning during Amanda's worship set, I'm just giving you help. That's why. Because you're afraid of vulnerability and intimacy is scary to you. Because when someone who has intimacy with Jesus releases that into the room, everybody who's afraid of vulnerability is exposed and they want to run from the room or say that that worship wasn't good. Huh. It exposes us to the lack of the knowledge of God, which is this, Abba, Advocate, Almighty, Alpha, Amen, Ancient, Apostle, Anointed, Author, Beginning, blessing, branch, bridegroom, Christ, comforter, commander, consolation, consuming fire, creator, deliverer, door, end, eternal, everlasting, faithful, firstborn, firstfruit, father, foundation, forgiveness, friend, gentle, uh, gentleness of God, gift of God, glory, 
glory of God, wisdom, guide, good, head, heir, holy, hope, witness, I am, image, Emmanuel, jealous, Jehovah, Jesus, judge, king, lamb, last Adam, lawgiver, leader, life, light, lily of the valleys, living water, living bread, light of the world, lion, Lord, love, master, merciful, mediator, messenger, Messiah, mighty one, Nazarene, offspring, omega, only begotten son, Passover lamb, potter, power, prince, peace, prophet, purifier, rabbi, radiant, redeemer, refiner, resurrection, righteous, rock, ruler, wonderful, rose of Sharon, savior, scepter, seed, servant, shepherd, shield, son, source, spirit, star, stone, word, teacher, true, truth, vine. You guys, he is bigger than you ever imagined and we're only getting a glimpse of him. You guys, the angels are around the throne singing holy, holy, holy. What does holy, holy, holy mean? It means not like me, other, different, nothing like I've ever seen before. Holiness is not about perfection, although it implies it. It actually means different, set apart, not like us. So when the angels are around the throne, one of them looks at him. There's four angels around the throne singing holy, 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 and they've been doing it for a billion years, and they're not bored yet. Why? Because what they're actually saying is, oh my God, I've never seen this before. Holy, holy, holy. And then the next one is like, no, 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 seriously, back up. You've never seen this before right here. Have you seen this? Holy, holy, holy. And the other one's like, guys, seriously, let me check this out. I don't think I've seen this before. Holy, holy, holy. And the other one goes, no, 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 guys. Over here is the best thing I have ever seen in probably a millennia. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the other one's like, no, seriously, guys. Holy, holy, holy. They have not run out of new things to find about God. And you're bored because you read the same verse twice. How could they, do you ever wonder why those beings have eyes all around them? Because it's the only way possible they could take in all of the goodness of God. It's the only way they could take it all in. He's that big. He's that beautiful. He's that glorious. And in order to take it all in, God covers them with eyes from head to toe. This is the most beautiful thing. And they have yet to find the end of God. That's why heaven is so beautiful, because heaven is an extension of what you decided to do here on earth. Hmm. This is where it gets a little crazy, because if you jump into the knowledge of God, you continue that into eternity, finding ever new things about God, falling more and more in love every single day with all the new things you continue to find for billions of years. That's what heaven is. Heaven is not like, like playing football in the front yard. And if that sounds boring to you, it's because you haven't met him yet. You haven't. Imagine with me for a moment the most intense, beautiful, amazing time of worship you have ever had in your entire life. Multiply that by a billion times a billion years. I've heard people say, well, I don't really want to, young people, I love it. Well, I don't really want to die yet because I haven't been married and haven't had sex yet, so I don't want to go to heaven yet. Clearly, you misunderstand pleasure. (laughs) Because if sex is the height of pleasure on earth, imagine that times a billion forever in heaven. You think God's going to be like, oh, it's a bummer for you. I'm sorry you didn't get to have sex first. It's going to be pretty boring up here. (laughs) We don't really have anything like that up here. Sorry. (laughs) No, he's got pleasure. You guys, your Bible says at his right hand is pleasure forevermore. Your God made you for pleasure and then put pleasure at his right hand so that when you encounter him, you'd have experiences and pleasure you could never get here on earth. How many of you have ever had worship like that? 
We're just like, that was a nice song. Praise him. Oh, he wants to take you into the depths of pleasure that you were created for. So um, there's this story a friend of mine uh, told me. He was out with his dad, and they were in Yosemite. Um, This is when it starts to get a little more practical, and then we'll pray for you guys. But my friend was with his dad, and they were out at Yosemite, and um, he just had this, you know, just hang out with dad time. He said climbing rocks, doing all the stuff that you do, and he's eight years old, just whatever, going nuts in Yosemite, throwing rocks, skipping rocks, and they come on this river. And they come up to this river, and he said, Dad, 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 Dad. That's like the kid language for I really want your attention is I just repeat your name a thousand times, even if you answer me, just so you know how important it is. (laughs) And it's usually not important. It's like, dad, 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 I'm thirsty. Like, you know where the water is. Like, what is, what's the big deal? So he says, dad, dad. And he says, yeah. He said, dad, I want to cross that river. He's like, okay. It's a pretty wide river here, you know, and it looks like it's going to be hard. I think you could make it, but are you sure you want to do that? Dad, I want to, I'm going to do it. I want to cross that river. Okay, I just want to make sure you're sure first. Yes. He goes, okay, give me your shoes. So the kid takes his shoes off, hands them to his dad. His dad ties them together in a knot and then takes the shoes and chucks them on the other side of the river. <laughs> he looks at his son. He says, now you have to go. And then he leans down, pulls off his boots and ties them together. Chucks him on the other side of the river. He says, now we have to go together. See, the cross was God tying his shoes together. Throwing them on the other side of the river with you and saying, now we have to do this together. I took on your form. I took on your likeness. Because we're in this together. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you. I've thrown my shoes on the other side of the river. I've paid the price. And I'm in with you until this all thing, this whole thing plays out. You guys, Jesus didn't die on the cross to forgive you of your sins. He died on the cross to give you access back to the Father. But the only way you could get access back to the Father was if you got your sins forgiven. See, we've made the means the goal instead of making the goal the excitement of the whole thing. I, I can prove it to you. I've shared it here before. But Jesus said, go preach the good news, right? He told them to preach the gospel, Correct. Jesus told the disciples, go preach the gospel, right? But he hadn't gone to the cross yet, so how could he tell them to preach about the cross? So what's the gospel? What is Jesus telling them to go preach? If it's not the cross, which we think it is, he told them to go preach the good news. I have great news. Go share it with the world. Go share this good news with the world. What is he telling them to share? He's telling them to share, God is here. You don't have to wait till you're dead. You don't have to wait till you have it figured out. I'm here. I'm available. Come. Come. What, is, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's the good news. Then Jesus says, hey, after he dies, he says, it is good that I go. Because you guys, Jesus says it's good that I go. That's, that should be a big giant red flag for all of us to go. This is important. Huh. You thought it was awesome when I was with you. I have better news. I'm putting myself inside of you. This is the best news you have ever heard. You don't have to come to me through the law. You don't have to come to me. You do not have, you, 
You don't have to come find me on the streets of Jerusalem. I am inside of you. I want to be with you. In fact, if you go through actually the whole New Testament, not only is Holy Spirit inside of you, Jesus is inside of you, surrounded by God, then you are there surrounded in the Holy Spirit, surrounded by Jesus, covered by the Father. You are pretty well protected. You're like bubble boy. Why are you scared of everything that comes up in your life? Doesn't, don't you know that he works all things to the good of those who love him the problem is we don't know him we don't know he's joined us on this journey we don't know that he's tied his shoes and thrown him on the other side of the river and says if we're going to cross we're going together but it's going to be an adventure it's going to be great it's going to be amazing and i want you there with me go to hebrews 11 this will end hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith And um, if you find in Jewish tradition, you'll find that there's tons of these lists. There's lots of lists about fathers and patriarchs and all the whole deal. And there's lots and lots of lists. But essentially in scripture, in in our Bible, in our New Testament, we only get, we get this list, which is really way out there in terms of the lists that are available. This is the one that's weird. Because this is the one that's filled with misfits. (laughs) Anybody feel like they fit into that category? Like, the Christian tradition brings a bunch of misfits into the fold. Like, you guys think you have it bad. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, we got the first one, Abel, he was killed by his own brother. It's like, well, let's start the list on a high note. You know what I'm saying? But he died in faith. We have Enoch. Man, who wants to be Enoch? He walked with God and then was no more. Poof. What a way to go. Like, I'm here. I'm not here. That's a good day. You know what I mean? Like, he liked, God liked you so much that he didn't want you to die. That's dumb. All right. Noah, that's a, pretty much a given. Abraham, Moses, Rahab. We got a prostitute on the list. God includes a prostitute on a list because he knows that our lives, you guys, that's a whole story. We could preach on that for like weeks okay the fact that God says this is a woman not only whom I love but whom my genealogy was carried through that's ridiculous we don't even have time okay Gideon Barak you guys we we have so much to do with some of these guys we have so our shaky faith what he's saying is the hall of faith is filled with people who had shaky faith at times and great devotion at times but the point wasn't what they accomplished but in their heart their motivation was me They try to do what's best by me because they know me. They know my voice. And Jesus says it this way. My sheep know my voice and they will come. That's who this list is made up of. A bunch of misfits. A bunch of people who are murderers and and like the crazy people. This list is filled with crazy people. And I'm like, sign me up. I mean, come on now. If God said, Jake, thank you. I want you to build me a boat, a big boat with no tools, and I will bring all the animals. It will take you hundreds of years. Then it will rain, which you've never seen before. It's going to be bad, but it will be awesome. I mean, most of us are like, ah, I just am hoping to have enough money to pay my bills. God's like, I want, to use, I want to partner with you in the changing of the planet and the transforming of the entire world into my image. 
We're like crying out to God to pay our house bills, and he wants to partner with you to transform the earth. That's good. I think we should all pay our bills. That's amen. But here's what it happens. So here, let me go to this. This is how we'll go. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the Jake International Version for you that are like surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, here's the point. There are a bunch of people who paid a price so that you could be doing what you're doing today, and you're surrounded by them. Because in faith, you are surrounded by these people who paid a price for you to stand on their shoulders, even if you don't know they're standing on, you, even if you don't know you're standing on their shoulders. And we have to recognize how important these people are. And some of them are listed in scripture and some of them came way after. You know how many people died just so that you can hold this in your hand? Do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people died just so you could have a Bible? And we are doing the exact same thing that they fought to overcome, which is we don't read the Bible until we show up at a service on a Sunday and let somebody else read it for us. They died so that you would not have to endure that. You are responsible for your walk with God. You are not going to be able to get to heaven and then say, um, well, my pastor didn't get to that yet. <laughs> That's not going to work. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Everybody say weight and sin. Which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let, our fix our, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. There's a word missing. I, I'm, it's, grammar's good. Literacy is power. Um, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what I want to focus on. Two pieces to make it super practical. Number one, weight and sin. The church is great at pointing out sin. We like post it all over the internet. Everybody knows what sin is. We know what we think sin is. We tell everybody that they're sinners. They get it. We get it. We all feel guilty. It's awesome. The problem is then we get saved. We think God's, God's cleaned us. We think he's washed us, but then we walk out two weeks later and we're just as tired, just as bummed out and just as boring. What happened? We got taught how to get forgiven of sin, but we didn't teach, we didn't teach how to get rid of weights. So we get saved and we're cleansed and we're like, sweet, I'm in the kingdom. Man, this is heavy. Anybody else tired? I'm just trying to like live out my faith, you know, man. I'm just trying to live it out. Just trying to go after Jesus. Just trying, just trying to go after the Lord, man. It's a good day. Going after Woo! Anyway, I want to take a nap. And you've like been a Christian for four weeks. It's like you started off so passionate because you had all this new strength. So this wasn't a big deal. You dropped off all your sin and then picked up some weight. And it sounds like this. Um, how much? Okay, I got saved. But how much am I allowed to drink? Okay, well, how far am I allowed to go with my girlfriend? Okay. How much TV am I allowed to watch? What kind of music am I allowed to listen to? Am I allowed to go on Facebook? Is that, am I, is that all right? I mean, is that okay? And what do you consider porn? Like, is that like, is that like topless now? Or what's the grid now? I don't understand what the grid is for porn. All those questions, stupid, 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 stupid. None of those are any relevant questions. All you're asking is how much weight am I allowed to carry while I run after Jesus? That's what you're really asking. How much weight am I allowed to carry while I go after God? Now, some of it sounds really awesome and really religious. It's great. It's like, it's, it's this. It's, um, well, you know, I'm just working in the ministry, serving the Lord. 
it's, it's, it's hard, but I'm just serving the Lord, doing what I'm called to do, brother. No, brother, I'm just trying to provide for my family, working 80 hours a week. Just to, now my kids, I'm never home for my kids. I never really get to see them or spend any time with my wife. But I'm providing for my family. No, you are a workaholic, and you've made ministry God, and it's not God. Ministry and God are not the same thing. Workaholic, it, being a workaholic is not providing for your family. It's the avoidance of conflict. And all those things that you're trying to carry, you are making a part of your personality, and Jesus wants to redefine who you are. And so you go... So you want me to set this down? Yeah, I want you to set it down. You'd be a lot less tired. But I, but I like it. No, you should set it down. No, you know what? Will you just pray for me that I'd have more freedom and that I'd be able to have more courage and that I wouldn't be afraid? Yeah, let me pray for that. Drop the weight, dummy, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Wow, Jake, that wasn't very loving. No, it's the most loving thing I could tell you because you're going to kill yourself carrying that weight around. But I, I don't just like it. It's, it's, well, that's just not who you are, but this is just who I am. Like, I can do that because that's who I am. I have a grace for it. Just put the weight down. Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, if I put this down, I won't lose who I am? No. You'll find who you are. Oh, all right. Uh. Wow. I'm a lot less stressed out. I'm a lot less tired. I'm a lot less arrogant. I'm a lot less angry because I'm not carrying around a bunch of things I was never meant to pick up in the first place. And it says this, it says, drop off the weight and the sin so that you can run the race with endurance. He wants you to run this to the end. You want to know how you win in Christianity? Don't quit. And it says this, here's the point. Let us fix our eyes. You ever wonder why you're bumping into so many things? It's because you're staring at your circumstance instead of staring at him. I want you to walk out the door and try walking, staring at your feet all day. Guess what you're going to bump into? Everything. I'm just trying to make sure I walk right, bro. I'm just trying to walk right. I'm just trying to walk right. Where's my feet? Just trying to walk right. And then you're bumping into people. Bro, why you got to run into me? Just trying to walk right, dude. Just trying to walk right. Just paying attention. Left. Right? God, I'm, dude, I'm the best walker there ever is. Why is everybody bumping into me and why do I keep running into stuff? It's because your eyes are fixed on your feet. Pick your eyes up and fix them on Jesus. You're so worried about your circumstance, you're bumping into everybody and hurting everybody around you because you're so concerned with fixing your problems, you can't fix your eyes. You're not supposed to fix your problems. God fixes your problems. You fix your eyes. Okay, so what do I do? Fix your eyes. But yeah, Jake, cool. Then what? Fix your eyes. I know, but I like, now what? Fix your eyes. That is the beginning and the middle and the end of Christianity. Get to know God by fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the perfect image of God. 
The entirety of your life should be spent doing one thing, fixing your eyes on the man Jesus. He is the beautiful one. He is the one who is our salvation. He is the one who is our king. He is the one who is our husband. He is the one who is our friend. Jesus is the beginning and middle and end of the gospel. He is who our eyes are fixed upon. Everything else melts away when we fix our eyes on the man Jesus. And we've made it about a thousand other things and we wonder why we're tired and we're bored and we're hurting and we're dirty and we're dying and we're broken and we're anxious and we're afraid and we're angry and we don't know why. It's because our eyes are fixed on everything but Jesus. But I show up to church. That is not enough. If you think showing up to church is going to be enough to walk out Christianity for the rest of your life, please, I don't run this church, but please don't come back until you want him. Because if we're gathering just for the sake of gathering, we're not going to change the planet, which is what we were made to do. If not, we're just like a, we're just a boring country club that nobody wants to come to. It's like the boring country club you pay to go to and everybody tells you how bad you are. Like, who wants that? You guys were made for adventure. You were made for the wild adventures of God that you were created for. And the problem is they're hiding around every corner and nobody's looking for them. Because their eyes aren't fixed on Jesus, they're fixed on a task. Could you imagine if you went to work with your eyes fixed on Jesus? If you went home with your eyes fixed on Jesus? Because if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, guess what you're going to find everywhere you look? It's Jesus. It's really that simple. It's not like this big, wow, that is so profound. No, it's really, really simple, but all of hell fights against it. And religion is its worst enemy. Because religion wants to make a mockery of relationship. Oh, you have a relationship. Well, I minister to thousands. <laughs> well, awesome. You're still a jerk, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like we have got to figure out how to get the character to maintain relationship with Christ in all circumstances. In fact, I want to show you this. This is how we'll, we'll end. Um, because the point is not... It's not that we're not seeing it. It's just that our perspective is off. And so I want to show you a few little videos, and then I'm going to pray for you guys. So check this out.
reason optical illusions work is because your brain can't connect with what your eyes are seeing. And the point is this, that if we could just gain some perspective, we'd begin to see things differently. Not, as that, not the way that we want them to be, but the way that Jesus sees them and the way that they actually are. It's called perspective. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can see things that I've never seen before. We can experience things we've never experienced before. We have an opportunity, you guys, to get a new perspective. It says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into what? All truth. You guys, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, covered in the love of the Father, we can get our brain and our eyes and our heart to agree. You guys, when we begin to see things as they are and not as we've made them up to be, we can begin to transform the world. <laughs> like those who know their God will, be, will do great exploits because they'll find him everywhere they go. Every time we turn around, we'll see something new. I don't know about you, but I'm in for that. And so this is what we want to pray for this morning. The first thing we're going to pray for is we just, I want to pray for anybody that wants to drop off some weight this morning. <laughs> Like, if you're, you saw that and you're like, yeah, that I get. I am tired. I'm distracted. I'm bored. I am, like, frustrated. I'm whatever it is. Any of those things. And you know, you're, you know you've been saved. This is an issue of salvation. Some of you who aren't saved, you can stand up too right now because you'll get saved in the process. It'll be a byproduct of praying this prayer, which will be awesome. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is drop off all of our junk at the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, lay your burdens down. Give them to me. I'll pick them up. You who are wearied and burdened, I'll give you rest. Those of you that are just tired of carrying around all this junk, you can drop it off today. You may have dropped off your sin. You may not have the same addictions. You may not have the same cycles, but you're like, I'm still just as broken and just as hurting, and I don't understand why. It's because nobody's taught us about weights and not just, they've taught us about sin, but not weights. And so we're just carrying around all this weight. And we pick up new stuff every day. It's kind of insane. Every circumstance that comes into our life, it's like, well, I better pick that up too. No wonder my back hurts and shoulders hurt and knees hurt. Some of you will get healed actually praying this this morning. Because you're carrying around burdens that never belong to you. Some of them were placed on you by your family. Some of them were placed on you by well-meaning friends. Some of them were placed on you by the church. And it breeded condemnation in religion instead of freedom. There's a place to drop your weights today. So if you're looking to drop off the weights today, and that's you, I just want you to stand up right where you are. I'm going to drop that stuff off. I don't care if it's one or two of you. It's cool. It doesn't matter to me. If you want to drop off some weight, you can stand. You were made for an adventure, so this is like a really easy adventure standing up. <laughs> but for some of us, it's like, ah, I don't know if I want to expose myself in that way. You guys, like, we have a very simple gospel. And we've made it very, very complex because we want to keep control. We'd rather control people than set them free because if people are controlled, then I can take credit. <laughs> a simple gospel is God is available Please go get him. Drop off all the weights. Stop asking what you're allowed to do and start asking how holy can you be. Stop asking, am I allowed? And start asking, how deep does this rabbit hole go? <laughs> how deep can I go in God? That's where we're going today is how deep are we allowed to go into the things of God?
I don't know about you, but I, I don't know how long you've been walking with God, but I find every day the enemy and the world wants me to pick up new weight. <laughs> it's like every day I have to be conscious of this. So with your hands, just palm down. We're just going to drop. You're going to drop off weight. So it's just symbolic. We're just doing it as like an act, like a prophetic act. With your hands, palm down. Just, I want to pray for you. God, I ask in Jesus' name that everything that they're carrying that is not of you would be dropped off right now in Jesus' name. That God, all the, the whys and the how comes and what am, I, what am I allowed to do and how can I do this and all the questions that, that everyone in this room is asking in order to just carry more weight, that it would be dropped off right now at your feet, Jesus. No more questions about how am I going to pay the bills. No more questions about how am I going to get through this. No more questions about why this, why that, how come, this thing or that thing. God, we drop the weight off at your feet right now. And we say all those questions are gone. We are going to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't need an answer to why because we just have to know who. And you are the who we have been searching for. Holy Spirit, will you just come? We just ask that people in this that are standing right now, as they're dropping off the weight, we ask for healing in Jesus' name. We ask that shoulders, backs, lower backs, God, knees, radical healing would take place right now in their body. Pain, get out. God, we thank you for healing right now in this room. For those of us that are dropping off burdens and weights, that God, the, the, their bodies would begin to come into alignment with the spirit that dwells inside of them. We ask right now in Jesus' name for radical encounters with you, that you are are alive. You are not dead. You are not a burden giver. You are a burden, burden lifter. We break the lie. I just feel like maybe there's even a couple of you in here that said, well, these, God gave me these burdens. No, God doesn't give you burdens. There are trials and tests and seasons, but he is not a burden giver and he is not, and he is not, um, he, he does not, he tests and trials he does, but he does not do, um, he does not tempt you. That's the word I was looking for. He does not tempt you. He does not lead you into temptation. I think some of you have misunderstood what, how God works and therefore it's defined a bunch of ways that you've picked up burdens that are not yours to carry and they've wrongly defined who God is and this loving Father. And we ask God that every weight and sin that hinders from running the race with endurance would be dropped off right now. Right now. And God, we just understand even here in this place that, that nobody gets saved because of a like a preaching, they get saved because of an encounter. <laughs> Nobody gets saved because of a list. They get saved because of an encounter. And we ask that you would encounter all of your children in this room right now. And if you're standing right now, I want to do two people, two little groups of people. If you like are standing right now and you need to make a decision for Jesus, like I'm, I'm saying you're standing because you want to drop off weight, but you need to invite him in maybe for the first time. Like I, I need to get saved. And maybe some of you prayed it when you were little or something and like, you want to get saved this morning, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> like, if you want to get saved this morning, will you just put your hand up? Like, I just want to pray for you real quick. If there's anybody in the room that just wants to get saved, like, I'm tired of walking alone. I'm tired of trying to figure out this religion thing. I want the relationship. If that's you, just put your hand up. It's awesome. We don't start it with our hands closed and our eyes, our head bowed, because what you start in fear and in shadows, you'll, you'll continue in fear and darkness and shadows. So if that's you, just raise your hand. You want to get saved this morning. That's rad. Anybody else want to get saved? We've got two people. You guys are awesome. Come on. 
Anybody else want to get saved this morning? Just put your hand in the air so we can see it. I'm going to pray for you like nobody's business right now. You're going to get, it's going to be so good for you. Anyone else? Yeah, come on. Come on. Let's just cross over from death to life this morning. You're not bad. You're dead. It's The great news is you're not going to be dead anymore. You're going to be alive in Christ. Christianity doesn't make bad people good. It makes dead people alive. Let's get alive this morning. One more call. Is there anyone else that just wants to say, I want to cross over today. I want to get saved this morning. I want to say yes to Jesus with everything I am. Anyone else? Right on. All right. Those of you guys with your hands raised right there, I just, all I want you to do is very, very simple. I just want you to say out loud, say, Jesus, come be Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. And Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. And empower me to live the life I was created for. Hmm. You're awesome, Mama. You're so loved. You're not going to have to fight for love anymore. That's going to be your portion. That's what you're walking into this morning. No more fighting for love. No more. You just have it. You're going to carry it everywhere you go. More peace than you've ever had in your whole life. Huh. You raised your hand with the polka dot shirt. What was your name? What? Sorry. Lord, I thank you for Rebecca. I thank you for her heart. I thank you for her generosity, and I thank you for her kindness. And I pray from this day forward, she would know a love that is safe and is kind and is merciful and filled with grace and peace and compassion. Holy Spirit, would you fill her up? We thank you, God. We thank you for who she is and how you wired her. That, God, you're not embarrassed by her, that you're not afraid of her, that you love her and you've redeemed her and you're passionate about her and you pursue her. God, I thank you for her life in Jesus' name. God, I pray that she would be empowered from this day forward. God, no more shame and guilt and condemnation. No more. That she would know love and only love. Jesus' name. Bro, what is your name? Sebastian. You're the bomb. You are a wild one. God, I thank you for Sebastian, and I thank you that he's, he's got the wildness of your heart inside of him already, that he was made to go on adventures, that he was made for the wildness of your presence. I thank you that, God, from this day forward, he's going to walk not only just in the courage and the boldness that he's had since he was really, really little, but he's also going to walk into the, like, he's going to walk not not just in courage and boldness, but he's going to walk in authenticity, humility, kindness, mercy, grace, compassion. And God, I just, I just feel like over you, Sebastian, the Lord says that you're a good judge. 
like you're a good judge. Like you carry judgment, but it's healthy. Like not like a, a mean judgment, but the kind that says, this is good, this is bad, and I'm gonna do what's right. And so Lord, we thank you for his conviction and his discernment in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And now for just everybody that just prayed, we're gonna wrap up with this. And uh, Go ahead and if you had pain in your body before you stood up, can you move around the part that hurt and see if it's gone? And if it's gone, even just like uh, halfway or so, will you just put your hand up? Just move, I think specifically neck, shoulders, back, knees. If that's, if you got, the pain is gone, will you just lift your hands up? Look at that. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> right now with your hand lifted up, uh, I want you to pray for more. God, right now I pray, God, increase it. I pray that it wouldn't be just healing, but there would be actual an increase. Right now we ask that there would be an increase of strength. God, release strength into the muscles, strength into the body, fresh courage, fresh strength. Like when we dropped off the weight today, you're not going to have to, you guys, uh, you ever heard of weight training where they actually run with weights on their feet? And then when they take them off, they feel like they could almost fly. That's what you are doing right now. That's what's happening right now in the spirit. You've been under weight training, but the Lord is going to use it because all things, God uses all things, right? He uses all things. Say all things. All things work to the good. So no beating yourself up about the last season. All things work to the good of those who love him. You guys, he's going to use carrying those weights around. Even though you didn't need to carry them, he is going to make you a lifter of other people's heads. And you are going to feel like you could run harder than you've ever ran in your whole life. So Lord, we thank you for the, for the healing that's been released in this room. For those who the pain is gone. The pain is gone. We thank you, God, for healing, resurrection power, restoration power in Jesus' name. And we ask that it would increase and Holy Spirit replace everything that's left this morning so that it could never return in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, you guys. That was a good service. We should do that again. We should do that again. Um, thanks for letting me yell at you. We're going to take an offering. <laughs> You're like, he mostly doesn't preach. He just yells. Um, so if you guys, we're going to take an offering before we, we leave here. Um, if you want to fill out a credit card thing or f- put cash in an envelope or put cash in the basket when it comes around, you can make out a check to Granite Creek. Um, but we want to collect tithes and offerings and just awesome testimony for you guys. Like we, we were supposed to do, a, um, we were supposed to do a tour last week um, in Germany and the UK and um, it like fell apart at the last minute because of finances. So then we had to like spend all of our own money to go and get out there because we felt like the Lord really has something for us in Europe. And so we kind of said, okay, God, we're just going to trust you. We feel like it's your word. So we're going to put the finances in and we're just going to go for it. You know, Dude, we went out there and Dozens of kids got saved for the first time all over the place, like out in Kempton, outside of Munich, um, in Nuremberg, and then in Bath. People got radically set free. It was so incredible. But my favorite testimony is that three weeks prior to me coming, an atheist kid, a kid who just was like, I don't really like, he has some Christian friends, but he's just not into God, doesn't like God bad experiences with church, the whole deal, you know. And um, he was looking on YouTube for some music. <laughs> and so he came across some of our vid- some of our videos and said, oh, I, it, and basically told his friend, you know, it kind of sounds religious, but it's really rock. So it's pretty good. Like, it's like good rock music, but I think it's kind of religious, but I like it anyway. And then he goes, like a few days later, he goes and meets, has a, a lunch with his friend. And 
is, who is a Christian. And he sits down with them and he's like, hey man, so how's it going? And, and he goes, dude, I was just on YouTube and I found this guy, Jake Hamilton. It was so awesome. This music is so rad. You guys kid you not. The guy that he's having lunch with says, you, are you serious? Jake Hamilton? Dude, he's going to be at my church in three weeks, which we weren't even going to go to, you guys. Like it changed because the tour was canceled. Our schedule changed, so I ended up at their church. And he says, what kind of God is this? That he would bring me to YouTube only to find out that he's coming a few weeks later. And he goes, so he's like a real Christian? Like a real one? He's like, yeah, man. Four days later, the guy gives his life to Jesus. Two weeks later, we're hanging out. I give him a big hug. He's just sobbing. He's like, why would God send you all the way to Germany just to show me how much he loves me? I say that because you guys, this is what you're sowing into. You're sowing into so much more than just one body or one of building or lights. Like this is so much more. God is doing so much more around the planet and our finances are a way for us to strengthen one another and to sow in. We have an opportunity when we sow to be able to partner in the gospel in things that we can't do alone. We're doing it together. And it's a seed, you guys. We put seed into the ground to reap a harvest.